those that are uh, with those kids that are uh, four years old through fourth grade, you are dismissed to uh, uh, youth church. Hey, listen, th- did anybody watch the uh, the closing ceremonies? Closing ceremonies today is the Olympics. Closing ceremonies are on TV this morning. All right, one of you. Very good. All right. Um, good to know. Patriotism. USA. USA. It's like, what? Okay, hey, listen. The uh, closer, Today is the closing ceremony of the sermon series on the Olympics. And so I thought maybe that would bring kind of a cheer or something. You know, this thing's just kind of flat. There we go. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, listen. Uh, we've been on this journey for a little while. We've been talking about the crowd and the athlete and the coach. And uh, we're going to review. We're going to review. Maybe if you were here uh, two weeks ago, you remember that we were talking about the crowd, the crowd. And uh, Nathan, I think I got a slide there. Next slide. And um, we were talking about how the church uh, is to be like the crowd, that we are to be like the crowd. Because uh, what does the crowd do? The crowd shows up at the Olympics. They go to cheer. They go to identify with the team. And they go there to share in the victory. And that's why we come to church. We come to cheer for our God, to praise God, right? That's why we are here, and uh, we root for the team, right? And uh, we identify with the team, and that's each other. We're all on a team. Say, we're all going through this thing together, and we identify with one another, and we want to share in the victory. Jesus Christ has already claimed the victory. We get to grab a hold of that victory. We get to move forward into that victory, and so as a church, we come together. Well, when the crowd shows up at the Olympics uh, to support everything that's going on there, uh, they use their time and their money, and they have a good attitude in that, and when we come to church, we're supposed to do the same thing. So, I'm hoping that by now, you can all see how the crowd is like the church. Yeah, all right, hey, yeah, there we go, there we go. It only took three weeks, but we're getting there. We're making progress. Okay, next one, we talked about the crowd, we talked about the crowd, right? And then next week, we talked about the athlete, the athlete. We said, how does one become a great athlete, right? Well, they have to be transparent. There has to be transparency there. They need a coach that can go up to them and say, you're not very strong in this area. We need to improve that. You're strong in this area. We're going to build on that, right? They have to be transparent. How do we uh, live our lives best as Christ followers? We need to have transparency in our lives. For the athlete, they need to be focused on a clear goal. Remember, we talked about if you're going to run the 100 meters, 9.58 seconds is the time to beat a very clear goal. As a Christ follower, we need to have clear goals. Last week, if you were here, I challenged you to read, get an uh, accountability partner. My last one, accountability, and have accountability in your life that you would read through a book of the Bible. And I was glad to hear this week during men's Bible study, one of the guys said, yep, I got an accountability partner, and we're reading through a book of the Bible together. I also challenged you. I said, uh, could you memorize a Bible verse? Memorize a Bible verse. I hope that you took that challenge on because, listen, we want to be like that crowd that shows up at church and roots for Jesus. We root for Jesus. But we want to be like that athlete that understands in order for us to be all that Jesus wants us to be, we got to go to work on that. This morning, what we're going to talk about is the coach. We're going to talk about the coach, the coach, the coach. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father God, um, we want to draw close to you. Uh, Father, we're going to ask that uh, you would help us to forget everything that takes place this morning. Everything that we uh, hear here this morning, we want to forget all of it. All of the distractions to go away. We don't want to remember any of it except for exactly what you want us to put in our heart and make application to our lives. So, Father, as we move forward, we ask for your blessing. 
upon our time together. We ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. The coach, the coach, we're talking about the coach. Here's some pictures of coaches. The coaches are there. The coaches are pulling alongside those people. The coach is always about the other. The coach is always about the other. Whether it be a team, whether it be the individual, the coach is always about the other. They are servants of other people. They serve them. They help them. They motivate them. But they're always about the other. They look to help the individual or the team to succeed. That's what the coach does. Now, they will never stand atop the podium. They will never win the gold. They will never stand and claim the victory for themselves. The coach doesn't get to do that. Their victory is knowing that they have helped the other to win. That is the role of the coach. It's a feeling of accomplishment when the other succeeds and knowing that they have served well. That is the role of the coach. The coach is others-oriented, not necessarily self-seeking. Make sense? That's the role of the coach. Well, question, what makes a good coach? What makes a good coach? You can, you can write these things down right there in your bulletin. And uh, even though this is the closing ceremonies, it doesn't mean you can't review them later. All right? Closing ceremonies today, but you can still review them later. What makes a good coach? Here's what makes a good coach. They crave victory for the other. Write that down. They crave victory for the other. The life work of the coach is to see others have victory. The life work of the coach is they believe in the potential of the other. Isn't that what the coach does? They believe in the potential of the other. They make sacrifices for the other. Not for themselves, but for the other. That's what they are doing. They want what is best for the other. Now, listen to this. They are willing to invest in others because they know that, point number two, write this down, others' victory gives fulfillment. The others' victory gives fulfillment. You've seen the, uh, you've seen the athlete that uh, finishes the race or whatever the competition is, and they go over, and the, and the coach kind of meets them out on the track or wherever that is, and they give them a big hug, and they pick them up, and they're all excited for them. What always happens after uh, the Super Bowl? What always happens after the Super Bowl? What always happens after the Super Bowl, right? They get the Gatorade, and who they dump it on? The coach, right? Because everybody's all excited, and they, they want to honor the coach because they know the coach has put so much into that. But when does the coach actually get to have victory? Not until the team or the individual, the athlete, and not they don't get to have any kind of victory until first their team or their athlete has victory. Maybe you've seen the coaches uh, sometimes they're jumping up and down and running alongside the field as there's the other guy out there on, on the field or the gals on the field and they're making their way and they're rooting for them and they know that they're not going to get anything out of this deal until the one that I am rooting for and helping and investing in, they succeed. Now, did you watch any Olympics this week at all? Anybody watch any? Did you know that they, there's an Olympic event where people dive into a swimming pool and they get scored on, uh, you know, uh, their dive when they go in? And then they got this really high one 
I don't know, it's 10 meters or 20 meters tall. It's really, I think it's 20 meters, 30 feet tall. And, the, and they jump over this thing and they do like three flips and they go in. Anybody watch that this week? Anybody watch the ladies this week? How many of you are familiar with this lady? I'll put a picture up here on the screen. Her name is Kwan Hong Chan. And uh, she is 14 years old. Anybody watch this girl dive this week? Uh, she's about this tall. And uh, she a tiny little thing. And, uh, and the way that she's looking right there, that is the face that she had the entire time that she was competing. If you watch that, and did you see how many, did you see, did you see her? Anybody, anybody, I want to see that. Anybody raise their hand? Some of you guys are here. Uh, how many times did she get a perfect 10? A perfect 10. She got more perfect 10 dives than any other Olympic athlete in the history of the sport. This girl's from China, from China, and 10 after 10. In fact, of her last 34 dives, she received 20 tens. Unheard of, unheard of. And her face looked like that the, the entire time. If you watched her, that's the way she looked when she'd walk up there. On, and then she'd kind of bend over and she'd do a handstand and her turn and invert. And then she'd do like three, four. And then she, when she was coming up out of the water after a perfect 10, and then the commentators are going bananas. This is, un, this is, we've never seen anything like this before. And that was the face that she had the entire time that she was competing. And I was feeling bad for her. I was thinking, man, this poor gal. She, must, she grew up in China. They must have just beat her into submission. And if she ever made a mistake, it must have been horrifying for her to ever step outside of the bounds. And then what happened after she got the gold? Next picture. Then, then the coach. Then the coach. The coach went over there, and maybe you saw it. He grabs her and gives her a big hug. And the coach literally picks her up over his head and is holding her. And she is all excited and elated. But that coach probably just had his game face on, just like her the entire time, until the victory came. Then once the other, heck, he didn't get one single 10. He, now, he's kind of a bigger guy, you know. He, he could, you, you watch, you watch uh, Chan when she was, a little tiny thing. She jumped way up in the air. She jumped in and bloop, you know, bloop. Like, you know, one little bloop thing in the water came up, you know. That guy jumped in, right? He didn't do anything, right? But he was so excited and fulfilled when she had the victory, when she had the victory. So others' victory gives fulfillment. All right, what makes a great coach? They crave the victory for the other. Others' victory gives fulfillment. And then thirdly, write this down, they serve best those they understand. They serve best those they understand. Not everyone is meant to do everything. Not everyone is meant to do everything. That's why you never see this. Why you never see this. Right? Can you imagine that poor horse, right? Holy cow, right? How much fabric did it take to get around that guy while he's doing ballet, right? Wouldn't that be hilarious to see that? I'd like, you know, I'd pay good money to watch that show. I will tell you that. Listen, you don't see sumo wrestlers coaching swimming. And you don't see five-foot gymnasts coaching back basketball. And so uh, those who were gymnasts, you see coaching gymnasts. Why is that? Why is that? Because they understand it. They get it. They under And listen, here's what happens, is they've either done it and had that personal experience, or they've studied it, studied, studied, studied it, and studied it some more so that they can win. Former athletes coach, and they know and have experience, or they have studied thoroughly that field so that they might be able to coach up 
that athlete. That's what the coach does, right? The coach is different than the crowd. The coach is different than the athlete. The coach is others-oriented. And all they do is serve, serve, serve to help make the other better, to help make the other better. Now, what makes a great Christ-centered servant? Because that, my friends, is who we are supposed to be. What makes a a great Christ-centered servant? Here's what it takes. They crave victory for the other. They crave victory for the other. You are others-oriented like the greatest example of all time, Jesus. Jesus was others-oriented, and we are to be like Jesus. The book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28, doesn't it say this? It says, just as the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? That's Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, but he is also the Son of Man through Mary. He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He is God in human skin, walking around on earth. He is God here on earth and was in the form of Jesus. Jesus, as the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus set the giving it all for others standard very high, didn't he? Jesus set the giving it all for others standard very, very high. What did he give? He gave his life, right? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Jesus sets the example of the servant, of the coach. He shows up and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I want you to succeed. And he did that for us. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to what? Serve. Eager to serve. The role of the coach is to serve. Jesus shows up and he takes on the role of coach. I'm going to put you in front of me. I'm going to die that you will have victory. I'm going to die that you will have victory. Jesus came to serve. Question. Where can you serve? Where can you serve? Question. What does this church offer in terms of your ability to serve? What serving opportunities are there for you if we are called to be servants? A good church would do well to have service opportunities, right? And so... All of these things that we do because we want to be like the crowd and we want to let Jesus know that he is king of kings and we want to worship him and we want to praise him because we want to be like the athlete and we want to fight to have the victory that is when other people learn about Jesus and we want to be like the coach and help others be coached up. We have these service opportunities. There are Sundays, there is Sunday school that goes on. 
need Sunday school teaching, right? There is kids' church. You can be on the rotation to be a kids' church worker. There is kids' club, and we need staff at kids' club. On Wednesday nights, we're going to be starting up here right after Labor Day weekend. And um, there is yard care to be done. There's a praise team that you can be a part of. The elders and the deacons are all servants that keep the church having services each week. And it's very important that they do these things. And you can say to yourself, someday I would like to be an elder. I should be a deacon in the church and I can aspire to that role. And so you just say, I'm going to begin to serve right now. And I'm going to put myself in a position where I am serving the church. Now listen. I know there's already a lot of servants. This church full of servants, a lot of help, a lot of helpers. Uh, you know that we're uh, working on our entryway out there, and a lot of people have helped with that thing. Gabe Garcia was here uh, several times uh, this week, and uh, Corey and Katie Joel were out there, and uh, they were helping. And uh, we got uh, Jeremiah Bird was he's been helping out there, and Adam Rutledge was helping out there, and Georgia and Ryan and Laura and and uh, Jerry Dufer was out there uh, helping, and. And uh, Phil and Melissa Goderman were helping, and Nathan uh, Johnson was helping, and Ruthie and, and uh, Mike and Becky Winger are out there helping, and we got all those helpers that were uh, doing that thing out there in the entryway. That's just one thing, right? And we got the cruise in. We got the cruise in that's coming up, and the cruise in is uh, going to be fantastic. It's August 21st. Uh, you're invited if you're not already working on this thing. It's a great excuse for you to go out and buy a really cool exotic sports car or a great excuse for you to go out there and buy a really cool exotic motorcycle because we're having a cruise in and you need to buy that for Jesus so that when people come and look at it, when people, when people, come, and, when people come and look at it, you tell them this is a great church. And Jesus Christ is here, and you need to have Jesus Christ in your life, and so you can use that. You'd, now listen, it would be wrong to do that just to be pride-filled, but it would be good to do that if you're going to use that to leverage for the kingdom of God. If you're going to leverage that for the kingdom of God, because people are lost without Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite the entire community. It's a fundraiser for the Riverdale um, School Library. We want the whole school to come, and we want them to be introduced to our church, and we want to uh, say to them, uh, we care about our community, and we care about you, and we want to coach them up. We want to invite them to be a part of the crowd that comes and worships Jesus, right? So we're going to do that. So we got the cruise in that's coming up here. And so we got Don Vicroy that's kind of leading the charge in that thing, and Bob and Cheryl are there, and Kathy Court's there, and Chris Evans has been a part of that, and Roger and Connie are part of that, Wayne and Kathy and Jim Cackler are part of that. I think Linda Griffin was there at the last a meeting we had for that. And so uh, there's lots of opportunities around here, and a lot of people that are already showing they have a servant's heart. Tim Baxter was running around here this week. He's got the coolest battery-operated hedge trimmer. That thing's like this big. He was running around here, and Roger and Connie were picking that up. And he, Tim's been painting around here. Servant's heart, servant's heart, servant's heart. And um, our um, <clears throat> department chairs were all here Monday night. Teresa Garcia she kind of pulled together a crew, and she, uh, she kind of had a vision for decorating those bathrooms in there. Servant's heart. They kind of transformed them. Servant, lots of places and ways for you to serve around here. The reason that we want this church to function well is we want it to be kind of like a vortex that just kind of stirs up and begins to draw people from the community that they would come in here and that they would learn who Jesus is. And then we can have more baptisms like we did a few weeks ago, that people would come to find Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Son of God. He is the only Savior that has ever been or ever will be. And we want people to know 
Jesus. Listen, these are examples of the church serving each other and reaching out to our community, and we need to be like that. What makes a great Christ-centered servant? They crave victory for others. They crave victory for others, and others' victory gives fulfillment. Others' victory. When you see them find Jesus, it's exciting for you. And in my role as um, preacher Steve, in my uh, years of ministry, uh, it's sometimes, it, just to be honest with you, it's kind of frustrating. I don't like it. But um, I'll put on my good preacher voice here and say, um, but this thing happens, and, and this is what happens, is that sometimes people have a conversation, and they say, I've been talking to my friend about Jesus, and my friend would like to be baptized. And then they bring him to me, and they say, would you mind baptizing them? And I go, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You baptize them. You baptize them. You baptize them. If you, you bring them right all the way up to the finish line, then don't stop back and hand it off. So they, and so you be the one. You engage in conversation with people. You tell them about Jesus and say, man, one of the greatest things that's going to happen to me, someday I want to baptize you because you're my friend and I care about you. And I want you to know my Savior, Jesus. And then you baptize them because you crave the victory for the other. You want that for the other. And then you get to have the fulfillment when they get to meet Jesus. Does that make sense to you? Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 say. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our, of our faith. Now listen to what Jesus did. You ever think about this? This is what Jesus did. For the joy set before him. That means there was going to be a joy out in front of him. There was going to be a sense of fulfillment that was out in front of him. And so for that thing that was out there in front of him, this is what Jesus did. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus found joy in doing what he could, in, Jesus found joy in doing what we could not do. He found joy in doing what we could not do. He found fulfillment in that. He helped us, and that gave him joy. That's the role of the coach. You ever see yourself as a coach? Listen, sometimes the coach just needs to know a little bit more than the athlete, right? I mean, I've never teach, I never, I never coached t-ball, but I did coach some peewee soccer. And my kids were going through soccer, and after they were in peewee soccer for a few years, then I started to coach peewee soccer. Now listen, did I need to know how to teach or coach soccer at a collegiate level? No. But did I need to know just a little bit more than those peewee kids that were running around? Did I need to understand which net they needed to head towards? Did I need to know, that, you know, separate a little bit and look for the person to pass? Did I need to uh, be able to teach them uh, how to dribble on the inside and the outside of your foot? Just a little bit more than those peewee kids, right? Well, if you've been involved with the church for more than a few weeks, you probably already know a little bit more somebody that's not at church and you can coach them you can coach them you can coach them and the coach is always looking for the other to succeed and then that brings fulfillment into 
your life. That's what Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Serve wholeheartedly as you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. You get the fulfillment when you're helping coach somebody else. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 19 says, Once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord. Find fulfillment in helping. Find fulfillment in helping. Helping at the church and serving or coaching others to better know Jesus. Last thing. Listen, so far we've said this. What makes a great Christian, a Christ-centered servant? They crave victory for the other. Others' victory gives fulfillment and serve where you are gifted. Serve where you are gifted. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Right? And you know, Scripture talks about, you know, how can the, how can the mouth say to the ear, I don't need you, and it kind of goes through those things. And we're all different. We've talked about that many, many times at the church. Some people uh, have a musical abilities and talents, you know, and uh, some people don't, right? Uh, but then you have other abilities and talents and, and those kind of things, and, and so you capitalize on what you can do well, right? That's why the sumo wrestler isn't coaching the swimmer, right? And so you capitalize on what you do. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully. Question, question question. Not in your notes. Or maybe you think, think about some of these things. Maybe you write some of these things down. Think about this. Question. What do you love? What do you love? Because this is an indicator of where you might best serve. What do you love? What do you love? What, what kind of things are you passionate about? And you love them. This is, this, I did, I'm a part of this and I just love doing this. And, and this is kind of who you are. It's in your DNA and and you just love doing this thing. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's building something. Uh, uh, maybe it's reading. Maybe it's helping others read. What is that thing that you just love to do? That's God put that in you. You love that. Right? It's in you. Okay. And so who, who should you serve? Who should you coach? Well, first you're going to look at what you love. And then in this, what are you good at? What are you good at? See, I love to sing. I love to sing. When nobody's in the car. And there's a great classic rock song on there. I love to sing, you know, um, but I'm not good at it. And so that's why the windows are up, you know, and it's really loud. I'm not a good singer. I'm a horrible singer, but I love to sing, but I'm not good at it, so I can't coach anybody up when it comes to singing. And so uh, first, what do I love? And then what am I good at? What am I good at? Well, I've got some skill set that somebody else might not have. And so what are those things that you can do? Somebody else can have. And then this is the last one. What do others tell you? you are good at? What do others tell you you are good at? And so when you in your, li in your life, you think about those things that I enjoy doing, I love it, but then you kind of narrow that down uh, to the things that not only do I love doing them, uh, uh, I am good at doing them, and I've had that confirmed outside by other people who have told me, because I might think I'm good at something, you know, 
I might think I'm good at something, but if nobody has ever come up to me and said, you know, I appreciate you when you do this, maybe what they're thinking is I wish he would stop doing that because he's bad at it, right? And so that's just true. And so you just kind of pull these things together and you say, what do I love to do? What am I good at? And what has been confirmed by other people? And they've said they appreciate that I do this well. And then you're going to be dialing right down in there on that area that you are to be coaching for Jesus. You're to be coaching for Jesus. You're serving other people in that area. You're helping other people in that area. And that's what we are to do. Listen, the Olympics, when we come together, we're to cheer and yell and be grateful and praise our Father who is in heaven. We are to discipline ourselves like athletes to be the best Christ follower that we can be. And we have to take it seriously. And we got to work at it. And then we look at others and say, how can I serve and how can I help them be what Christ would have them to be? What's my role in it? Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your King, your God, and your Lord, I would challenge you, I would encourage you, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Be baptized into Christ. Make Him your King. Make Him your Lord. Make Him your Savior. If you're already a Christian and a believer in Jesus Christ, Learn from these things from the Olympic series and put them into your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fun of the Olympics. Father, thank you for the truth that is in your word. Father, as we leave here, help us to be everything that you call us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name and amen.